Hello there, and welcome to the Bad Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Carter, and we are so glad to have you tuned in, in with us today. It is April 15th, 2022, and if you're listening along on Spotify, then a big welcome to you today as always. And if you're viewing this on YouTube, then I hope you leave a like if you find today's episode to be a good one. If you're new to the podcast, then we would be honored for you to subscribe today. And along with subscribing, I would encourage you to click that bell below this video to get notifications for all new videos. That way, you're always connected with all things Bad Fan. Um, but like I said, today is Friday and it is feeling good and I cannot do this thing alone. So I'm joined by my good friend and yours, Brandon Pasek. Let's bring him in. My guy, it's always good to see you. How's your week been so far? Yeah, man, it's been great. Um, work week has been awesome. Sports have been even better. So when those two things are rolling, I, uh, I can't complain at all. Um, how about you? Yeah, yeah, things have been okay. Um, really looking forward to the weekend. It's Easter weekend, um, so got some Good Friday uh, and then Easter on Sunday. So probably making my way to church, hoping to see some friends somewhere in between. Um, but yeah, we were also talking earlier today off camera. Uh, we're planning a Nashville trip later in May, so that might entail a bad fan episode live from Nashville. Um, maybe some details to come on that. Maybe some content more than just a podcast, but. Excited to have that potentially come down the pipeline. I know you're excited for that trip to Nashville. Um, a big game between Atlanta United and Nashville SC, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very excited. We already have the tickets reserved. We just booked our Airbnb. Um, yeah, so I, I'm just, yeah, I'm very, very excited for that. That's in about a month, so can't wait. Cannot wait. Well, guys, uh, together we're going to take a journey through the world of sports giving you an informative rundown on the headlines that you need to know and discussing our views along the way that may go against the grain of normal fans. Uh, but we're going to begin today's bad fan journey um, with some headlines and things that have happened since the last time we talked. And that's going to begin with the NBA playoffs, which is not quite technically the NBA playoffs yet, it is the NBA play-in tournament. Uh, we'll give you a look at what that bracket looks like. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last episode but this is a graphic to help you see what it looks like um in the west you had the new orleans pelicans they played the san antonio spurs you had the nine the ten seed and you had the minnesota timberwolves taking on the la clippers uh, you can see the results from those you had the nine and ten the winner of that game plays the loser of the seven and eight so the pelicans play the clippers next in the east it's sort of the same mirror image the nine the ten you had the hawks that they played the charlotte hornets they advanced to the next round hornets are gone 7-8 seed game, the Nets beat Cleveland. Cleveland stays alive for a chance to play against Atlanta, and Brooklyn goes on to play Boston next. So that's a good image to see um, what happened. Uh, but the games themselves, we'll kind of give you guys a recap, an idea of what happened in those games. And so the first one we'll talk about is the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, the Cavs outscore the Nets in three of the four quarters, uh, but it was the 20-point lead after the first quarter that got the Nets over the line and through the end of the game. Uh, for Cleveland, though, Darius Garland did score 34 points, five assists. That is no, uh, not an easy feat to do, especially in a big game like that. Uh, followed by his teammate Evan Mobley, who had 19 points, seven rebounds, um, and a mix of points for the other guys on the court. Uh, but for the Nets, Brandon, they just pulled this one away, and they looked pretty good, didn't they? 
Yeah, they finished the game really well. Um, they ended up winning 115 to 108. So it was a close game, and the Cavs have been pretty good all year. Um, they have some young guys, um, and they have um, – it's Jared Allen, right? It is. Jared Allen is injured, so um, he might play against the Hawks today, Friday, if you're watching it. Um, but focusing on this game, Kyrie, you know, he, he matched Garland's points with 34, uh, but he also had 12 assists. You know, he's, he's a good distributor, um, obviously maybe the best handles in the world. Um, and his counterpart, KD, Kevin Durant, had 25 points, 11 assists, five rebounds, Slim Reaper, he can do it all. Slim Reaper. <laughs> um, and uh, Bruce Brown and Andre Drummond also um, contributed to the to the win. So they will go on and play the two-seed Boston Celtics. Um, while, like we said, the Cavs are still in the pl- – the not playoffs, the play-in, <laughs> and they will yep. play Get used our, to saying that. Yeah, yeah, our beloved Hawks, so – yeah, that Nets-Celtic series will definitely be a great one to keep your eyes on. Yeah. Um, I mean, you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum on that Celtics team. Um, it'll be a really good matchup to see. But I was watching uh, some first take this week, and they were talking about how Kyrie Irving is just the most pure point scorer in the NBA, which I immediately thought he's not even number one on his own team. I think Kevin Durant is a more pure point scorer than him. And even I think of like someone like Steph Curry um, – I don't know. Is Kyrie really Kyrie really all that, or is it just some hype that's surrounding him? I mean, I think it's so close. Once you're to that elite level, you know, um, I guess you can make an argument for Kyrie. I wouldn't say that, but he has a lot of traits that are better than Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're saying Kevin Durant's the best, so I don't know. I think it's really tight all at the all at the top. So depending on who you like more, I think is who you would who, who you would nod to. That's fair. That's fair. Um, well, we did talk about those Cavs. Um, them losing drops them to that next game against their opponent, the Atlanta Hawks, who they whooped up on the Hornets, 132 to 103, which there is no flattery to the scoreline for the Hornets. I mean, they got smacked. Um, LaMelo did walk away with 26 points, eight assists, and five rebounds. Terry Rozier had 21 points. Um, but really, there's not a whole lot of connection on the Hornets. I mean, P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges combined for 29 points and 10 rebounds. It's just not enough uh, against this Hawks team that's led by Trey Young. Uh, what did Ice Trey do? Man, he's just so good. He's so consistent. <laughs> um, you know, the Hornets did hold him to below 30 points. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, he had 24 points, 11 assists. You know, he's... Still got the he's, double double. He's a shooter. He's a distributor. You know, he's he's great. And I think the Hawks overall are just a better team. They just have mm-hmm. team play, and you can see that when you look at the stat line. Um, you know, all of the points were spread throughout the team. Um, they just they like to share the ball. They all like to score. So, you know, like we saw last year's playoffs, they're they're really dangerous. And then you have Clint Capella holding it down at the center position. He had 17 rebounds and 15 points. When you're getting that from a big guy, um, you're going to be doing pretty well. Really, really needed for that Hawks team. Uh, can they get the job done against the Cavaliers? If Jarrett Allen is back, I think it'll be very close. I mean, it'll be close either way because the Cavs are really good. Did mm-hmm. did the Hawks blow them out the last time? We just played them towards the end of the season, I think. So I think the, Hawks, like 20. the Hawks have beat them three times. And they've lost once. And I think mm. they're the only team um, – that have beat the Cavs like this bad, I guess that bad this season. So 
they've pretty much owned Cleveland this season. So I'm expecting yeah. them to come out on top. I just think that Cleveland's still too young of a team that doesn't have the experience quite yet in the playoffs and the play-in. Um, Atlanta, they went to an Eastern Conference Finals last season. <laughs> and right now they're doing it without John Collins, which is worrisome, admittedly. Yeah. Um, but you have Bogdanovich, who is looking good. Um, and you got the guys that are kind of coming around, like Gallinari and Clint Capella at the right time. So hopefully this Hawks team can band together. Obviously, being led by Trey Young is just, again, also one of those guys, just a pure scorer. Um, yeah. You can just expect him at least, you know, he scored 24 points. You're expecting him to get 25, 30, 35 points each night. And if he's getting below that, certainly the Hawks are losing. So they need him to produce. Um, but it is possible that they will get the job done, I believe. On the other side of the bracket in the West, the Timberwolves outlast the uh, LA Clippers 109 to 104. PG 13, Paul George dropped 34 points. Uh, Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell backing him up with a combined 33 points. Um, you had some guys from Ohio State that you were backing <laughs> on this one. One guy, D'Lo, left handed. Iceman. I mean, he's got ice in his veins. He's amazing. He scored 29 points, uh, but a dog, Wolf a Wolf, dog. <laughs> Anthony Edwards beat him out with 30 points that game. Um, it's also worth mentioning that Pat Patrick Beverly, who he has a big mouth. He's known for defending. You know, it's sort of fun. He brings the, uh, a, a level of competitiveness to the NBA, which sometimes lacks, I'd say. Sure, um, yeah. You know, and so it's fun. I like I like having him in the league. But the interesting part about this game was he was on the Clippers this season, and they didn't want to pay him what he thought he was worth, what maybe other people thought he was worth as well. Um, so I think he went to Memphis, and then they immediately traded him to the Timberwolves or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, but he was hyped uh, after the game, and he was talking a little spit on the court. So if you haven't seen those videos, those are pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the TNT guys like Shaq and Barkley and all of them, they were clowning the Timberwolves because they were – the celebrations looked like they had just won the NBA Finals. Yeah. I, mean, it was, yeah. I mean, I like it. I like the tenacious, you know, mentality that they're out there to beat the the big dogs. Um, and, yeah, this is a team and a city that has been thirsty and hungry for um, any kind of playoff contention for a while. I mean, they've had – it feels like a couple of attempts to – to build a relevant team and maybe they finally yeah. have the formula now with a young Anthony Edwards, a D'Lo and the big cat, Carl Anthony uh, Towns. And of course, bringing that veteran presence that like you said, has that fiery spirit and Patrick Beverly. So I like the Timberwolves. I think they're a fun team to watch. Um, it'd be cool to see them make a deep run. Um, but I think they're going to have to take on, uh, are they the ones that have to take on the Grizzlies now, the second seed? Yeah, man. They're, they're, <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies are a good basketball team all around. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I think they're seven-game series, I believe. So, hmm. um, yeah, which I don't think those games should be seven-game series, to be honest. But um, that's it. it's all about money I, in the NBA. So Yeah, I can never remember. I, I know MLB, it's like the NLDS is five. I don't think the NBA is the same as that first yeah, series. So I think I it's think it always seven. seven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, classic whatever. NBA. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that Grizzlies team has John Morant, who that dude is tough. He is going to be a, a great so player down the road. But um, I don't know if that should be a good series. I mean, definitely excited to see that. Uh, but the other game in the play-in, we saw the Pelicans beat the San Antonio Spurs. Might this be the last time that we see uh, Popovich coaching the NBA? 
I'm not sure. There's rumors going around that he might come back for another year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Spurs have always been known for spreading their points pretty evenly across the board. Um, but you had Devin Vassell leading the way with 23 points. Um, but the Pelicans were just too much for the Spurs. Uh, CJ McCollum, he led the way for the Pelicans, didn't he? Yeah, 32 points, seven assists, six rebounds. I mean, he's a baller, dude. He's so good. Um, Brandon Ingram had 27, five and five. Um, and then Valanciunas <laughs> had 22 points, wow, and 14 yeah. rebounds. So a lot of contribution from from other players as well. Yeah, so the Pelicans, they move on, and they'll be playing the Clippers for that final playoff spot and the winner getting the eighth seed. So lots to play for still. Uh, I'm definitely cheering on my Atlanta Hawks. Um, Who the, do you think in- between the, the Pelicans and Clippers? Because I agree. I think the Hawks will win. The only thing is it's in Cleveland. So that might be tough, especially if Jared Allen comes back and help, if he plays 25 minutes, that could still be, you know, that could still be tough. But yeah, I think the Hawks will still go through. I think the Hawks will go through. I mean, the Clippers, just having Paul George, I think he should be the guy that can just take over a game, if, if just for one game at least. He may not win a whole series, um, but I think that he should be able to take over and beat the Pelicans. Especially yeah. this Pelicans team is, I don't really think they've been much this season. You haven't had Zion all year. You bring in CJ McCollum from the Trailblazers, but I don't think that they can muster enough in this one game uh, to beat the Clippers. But hey, you know, anything can happen. Like we've talked about many times before, these one-off games, you have to play them for a reason. Anything can happen. Well, uh, that's enough of the NBA. We're going to move into some baseball, uh, all things baseball on the bad fan. A couple of notes from this past week that uh, we want to cover for you guys. Uh, The LA Dodgers, the uh, National League pennant losers to the Atlanta Braves, they were playing some baseball against the Minnesota Twins. And I will admit, probably one of the best pitchers in MLB history had a staggering performance. Uh, Clayton Kershaw had a perfect game going against the Minnesota Twins. Uh, He had thrown right at 80 pitches. He had a crazy 13 strikeouts at that point in the game. Uh, but the man, the legend, no, he's not a legend. I'm, I'm messing with you. Uh, <laughs> Dave Roberts came out to the mound and pulled Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I just can't believe he did this. Uh, coming from an analytic standpoint, uh, you know, he pulled him. Coming from a shortened spring training, he threw 80 pitches. That's sort of been the limit that we've been seeing early in the season here. A lot of guys getting to that point and being pulled. But... He had 13 strikeouts. He had a perfect game. There's been, I want to say, less than 25 perfect games in MLB history. It's probably been close to a decade since the last one we had, which I believe was Felix Hernandez with the Seattle Mariners. So this is history. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking that a pitch count this early in the season is really going to change that much down the line, Dave Roberts. Um, so I'm pretty upset to see uh, him being pulled because two batters later, that perfect game bid was gone. Uh, so... Does, what does this mean to you and the way baseball seems to be moving forward with analytics? I like the analytic-driven thing. I, it's because it's been around for a while now, and it's – I don't know. Like, I like the shift. I, I like that part of baseball. Um, it just inserts a little bit more uh, creativity from some of these old managers maybe, you know, who are, yeah. are stuck in their ways, which is – you know, it's so funny because we're about to talk about unwritten rules. Well, isn't it so hypocritical that these these old managers are like these unwritten rules of the baseball game right. and you have to respect 
<laughs> it's just like, okay, well, you have a guy who's – it's only been done, what, I think it's literally 27 times ever in the history of baseball, like throwing a perfect game, and you have one of the best pitchers ever in baseball history right. This could be a it. guy that could cement his legacy even more, having won World Series, Cy Youngs, MVPs, and now the chance to have a perfect game added to the resume – and you're yeah, like you're saying, you're letting this get in the way of that, I yeah. think is pretty ridiculous. Like analytics don't get in the way of that or should never get in the way of that. That's right. that's something you you leave the analytics aside. I mean, unless it's like a playoff game or something. That's when I would say, yeah, definitely trust the trust the statistics on that. But dude, this is like what, the sixth game of the year? Like it this game literally does not matter. Um, and they were probably going to win it anyway with the way he was pitching. So it's like, dude, let him go out there. And if he, if the first guy gets a knock, then pull him. I mean, it's, it's that, it's that simple. It is as simple as that. And yeah, like you said, you know, I'm, I'm all for what you said. And Kershaw came out after the game. He defended his coach, you know, saying it's the right decision to make. And yeah, that's just backing your coach up, even when you might not feel like it's the right thing, but yeah. Unwritten rules uh, is definitely a topic that's hot on the people's minds. And it came into play again this week as they do each year. But this time it was the San Francisco Giants. Uh, they were going against the San Diego Padres. And the Giants were putting on the hurt early against the Friars. So in the second inning, they were leading 10-1. to 1. That's not a pretty look for any team. Uh, you don't want to be in that situation at all. Um, but in that second inning, uh, the Giants stole second base. What do you think, you know, some may overlook it as just a play that's going on in the middle of the game. Uh, no big deal. Uh, but later in the sixth inning, the Giants bunted for a hit, uh, which at that point kind of goes against the unwritten rules of baseball. Uh, you know, you don't pile on the runs. You don't steal bases when a team is down big late. You know, all these different things that uh, they are unwritten rules of baseball. But what I'm finding so ironic is that the Padres got all fired up and talking about this unwritten moment. But what's so ironic is that the Padres last year were the ones getting in the news when Tatis slammed a 3-0 pitch into another universe against the Texas Rangers, and they're the ones going against the unwritten rule. So it's pretty stupid for them now to be on the other side of it. Um, but really, I think just the big focus here, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, but is it just time to say goodbye to the unwritten rules of baseball, Brandon? It's all ego driven, dude. It's all hypocritical. Like it's so funny to me that this is still a thing. Re- I mean, <laughs> honestly, like, oh, yeah. and you know, what's more of a mockery than bunting or stealing at least bunting. They're like giving you an out stealing. They're mm-hmm. offering you an out, you know, you can throw them out. Um, it's like th- pu- pulling a position player to, to come pitch. Right. That that's an extreme mockery of the game, just in general, right? Yeah. Like, I don't care how you look at it. Like, someone who doesn't play the position is going in and playing probably the, the no, it is the most important position on the field. So it's like, right. but that's okay, right? That's that's not the unwritten part of the unwritten rules. But a guy who's trying to push the lead, trying to win. I mean, get him out, bro. Like, just get him out. You, <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. Or the MLB should insert like a run rule or an option after the, you know, let's say it's an eight, eight run lead. Like, do you want to forfeit the game? Like make that be a thing. So we don't have position players pitching. So we don't have these stupid unwritten rules coming into play and 
then pitchers have to hit the guy the next day with a pitch. You know, it's just like, why, why are we doing this? I, I've never right. understood it. It does not make sense, no matter how you dress it up, in my opinion. It's so, so dumb. But I'm sure some old heads are sitting on the couch saying, well, you know, it's the it's the game. <laughs> so <laughs> stupid. Yeah, it's it is silly. And Gabe Kapler, the Giants manager, he came out and talked about how, you know, we do want to continue to pile on those runs because that forces you, you know, if you don't put in that position player to go deeper into your bullpen or to pitch your guys longer. I mean, we've got to see you, especially an interdivisional game like that. We're going to see you 20 more times in the season. So we want to take every advantage that we can to pile yes, the runs and get exactly. to your bullpen. Um, and yeah, like you said, the whole, you know, hitting a batter, you know, you saw earlier in the week, again, the Cubs versus the Brewers, mm -hmm. that young Cubs pitcher trying to hit Andrew McCutcheon, who kind of made himself available to get hit, right? He kind of understood the assignment. Yeah. And that it wasn't even like throws, in the box almost. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, just hit me, please. So and the move. pitcher throws in like an off-speed pitch down the middle, which kind of sends the uh, the notice to McCutcheon, okay, we're not going to hit you this at bat. And then he comes inside with a fastball, the next pitch that didn't hit him. McCutcheon acknowledges it. And it's kind of like, hey, man, like, you know, that was your shot. And he comes at him again and plunks him. And going <laughs> on the first baseline, Andrew McCutcheon's just like, dude, like, you missed the first time. Don't do it again. <laughs> Yeah, like, again, he's like, I'm okay those, with the first one. Yeah. Why are you doing it again? I saw it's, that. that was so it's funny. just silly. It's, it is it's crazy. It's and yeah, it's ego driven. It's it's just outdated at this point, you know. Extremely. I, I'm I'm all for letting the guys play, especially a 10-1 ball game. It's the second inning. You scored 10 runs. Guess what? You also can score 10 runs. Yes. I've always been of the philosophy. I've always done this. And it's unfortunate being an Atlanta fan that I've experienced this. 28 to three happened in the Super Bowl. Patriots are down 25 points. They come back and win that game. They had every reason to believe that they were blown out and done, but they came back and won that game. Um, we we were at a game together when we were younger, a Braves game. 12 or 13, the Cubs we, versus the Braves. We left because it was like a seven run lead or something pretty late. And I'll let you tell the story. But <laughs> Yeah, when we were there, uh, we had to get back on the MARTA train to go home, but uh, the Upton brothers hit back-to-back -back home runs to walk off, but we were in the Marta station on the train with almost no cell service. I'm glued to my phone, and I tell everyone on the train, the Braves won, and they were all the people that left the game, and we're all freaking out, cheering on the Marta train together. But Yeah, yeah. and ever since that day, I will never leave a game early, never literally for that reason. And that's, and that's a perfect – you know, that's an, another example. Um, yeah. Like, anybody can score that that many runs, right? Like – Right. Any team at any moment can put together a run and it just, yeah, it's just stupid, man. It's so dumb. Yeah. I'm certainly ready to move on from these unwritten rules of baseball. Um, not only in this episode, but also in the modern game, you got to let the guys play. You got to have a, a tough head. Um, you just got to be a little bit stronger mentally and let the guys play. Uh, that I think was the MLB's motto a season or two ago is let the young guys play. Um, but you know, that's okay. We're going to move on to, the game that's not play with balls and bats, but the feet on the beautiful, beautiful grass under the lights. I'm talking about the most important club tournament in the world. That is the Champions League. Champions. And Brandon, <laughs> I wish we could play that so bad. I know. It certainly is one of the best uh, I don't do it songs and chants, yes, in <laughs> sports. Uh, but the Champions League, the leg two in the quarterfinals took place. And man, these were some outstanding matches, Brandon. Uh, what was your favorite match? And we'll start with that one. 
I mean, it has to be Real Madrid, Chelsea, dude. That game, <laughs> guys. It, it's honestly one of those games that you should just go watch in full. Like, don't even yeah. watch the highlights. Like, just watch the full game. It was that amazing of a soccer game. Um, it was back and forth. You know, it sort of is really honestly like the first game a lot, where mm-hmm. Steve said that Real Madrid like blew out Chelsea, but it wasn't the case. <laughs> like Chelsea handled the game pretty well. And, you know, um, like in statistics, a lot of the statistics they held, right? Like I think right. it close to 70% possession, more, more passes, and I think more shots as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started to look like that towards the beginning again. And Real Madrid, of course, being up 3-1, three, three, we can counter, right? We did it the first game. We can, we can do it again. And, you know, they're in a perfect position to counter, right? You know Chelsea's going to start pushing guys forward and whatnot. Um, but I think Chelsea s- scored three unanswered goals, right? Am I correct on that? Yeah, I think they went up 3-0. Which, then... which took them in the lead on aggregate. They were up 4-3 four, right. four, on aggregate, which at that point, if you're a Real Madrid fan, you're like, how did we throw away this lead? Like, right. we're at home all of this, but uh, it turned in it, man. And it turned in a outstanding way. I mean, just a fabulous, fabulous assist. Luka Modric had that amazing inside out pass to get the assist to oh, Rodrigo. And I think the 86 minute, I mean, just like, I mean, on both accounts, I mean, Modric's vision to see him making the run, mm-hmm. obviously just the ability to hit it on the outside of his boot to him and Rodrigo to hit it on the volley. Uh, first time, man. First so, time so past Mendy was just unreal, especially that late in the game. Uh, just so much drama. Uh, <laughs> so that sent the game into extra time at that point. Crazy. Uh, but in, in extra time, though, it was the guy that's been stealing the show uh, just once again with his head, Kareem Benzema, man. World uh, class. Just a man of the moment who's just shown no signs of slowing down in 2022, trying to get his own Ballon d'Or, <laughs> it seems, <laughs> right? Um, he's just willing this Real Madrid Madrid team closer and closer to uh, another Champions League title, isn't he? Yeah, that and a league title. I think they're top of the league as well. So, man, they're hot. Um, It was a great game. You know, kudos to Chelsea for going out there and fighting as well. Uh, We knew that they would, and we knew Tuchel would dial something up. But um, it's Ancelotti, right? Ancelotti at Real Madrid working some magic there and – bringing the Galacticos uh, back to the semifinals. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, it's crazy. And I feel like we kind of had a, I mean, Madrid has still been performing, but they lost to Chelsea last year in the Champions League. Chelsea obviously went on to win the Champions League. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Madrid, I don't think they won La Liga because Atletico Madrid won. So they had them not winning La Liga. You had Barcelona both sort of in this turmoil by, you know, media standards and, I think they've come out firing on all cylinders, oh, it seems, this season. Don't forget the European Super League. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't forget it. Their club, um, <laughs> their club president has certainly not forgotten about that. He's still scheming behind closed oh, doors, yeah. certainly, to find a way to make that happen. And I uh, um, I need to say this before we move on. I wish Steven was here to talk about the game because he's, you know, Real Madrid is his dark horse team that he picked from way in the beginning of the Champions League. And now they're in the semis. I'm sure he's pumped. He should have made a bet. I don't know if he did, but I'm, he should have. He should have. I'm sure yeah. we'll have a couple of moments down the bad fan road where we, we wish that the things we said we had placed some bets on. <laughs> yeah. um, 
It remains to be seen, though. Anything can happen. Mm -hmm. uh, but we had two matches in Madrid. We had one at the Bernabeu, and we had one at the Metropolitano. And this time, Man City, they survive against Atletico. A game with no goals, mind yeah. you. Um, but had almost everything else that you could want from it. Um, and a Champions League quarterfinals is a pretty outstanding match. Certainly no shortage of drama um, in Madrid. Uh, what did you see from this one? You know, it was it was a pretty good stalemate. And um, Atletico Madrid, I don't think, had many shots in the first half, if any. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was a pretty standoffish game where Man City would have possession. Um, both teams pressing really well. You know, they're, they're both coached really well, so you just get a lot of really good soccer, good tactics. Um, I don't know if Man City was ever close to scoring. I'm trying to think. Um, I don't have any recollection of them having really good chances. Yeah, and then I think once, like, the 70th minute came around, um, they backed off and, like, really went more defensive and, and really hunkered down. And so that's when atletico madrid and they to the minutes prior to them sort of backing down to parking the bus a little bit um they were getting really hot getting in behind a little yeah. bit getting some shots um creating some chances but uh, they didn't score any so once man city went into this like defensive you know shell i sort of had a feeling that it was over because just of the class of man city um but it was it was a really good game and i'll let you talk about the drama at the end well, for me, me watching it, I actually thought that Man City was showing some cracks. I think mm. Atletico actually had some really, really good chances. I mean, yeah. some of them, they just weren't finished well. But the mm. build-up play, I mean, just the ability that they had getting in the box sometimes. Oh, I yeah. mean, they probably had four or five shots. I mean, pretty open shots on goal that either were just straight the keeper at Ederson or they were just shot wide. I think really they could have at least gotten one of those in, honestly. I mean, they should have put one of those away. Um, but you got later in the game and things just started to get real chippy. I think the person at the center of it all was Phil Foden. Um, yeah. He just <clears throat> found a way to get under Atletico's skin. And there was a point, I believe, in like the 88th minute where, um, is it Felipe? He made a pretty strong tackle on Phil Foden um, on the sideline. I'm not a tackle expert, but initially watching, I thought it was a pretty clean tackle. Um, I think the tackle itself was clean, but they were talking about how the follow through afterwards uh, was. It what looked was like he worthy. kicked out. Right, so that's what people were saying. It was what yeah. was worthy of penalized uh, penalization, but really, it wasn't even the tackle that brought the drama. It was afterwards where Phil Foden was tackled out of bounds and then found himself conveniently rolling back into play, <laughs> and Savage on on Madrid just found that to be unacceptable and started pulling him by his shirt back to out of play. And at that point, the Man City bench that was right there uh, started to storm him, and you just saw things getting chippy. And we ended up seeing Atletico get that red card from Felipe and a couple of yellow cards handed out to Nathan Ake. Uh, I think Savage obviously got one, mm -hmm. um, maybe one or two more. I think Phil Foden eventually got one. Riyad Mahrez got one for time-wasting later. So plenty of cards started coming out late, and mm -hmm. I think with one or two minutes left in the game, Madrid had one last shot that – didn't find the back of the net and just an outstanding yeah. uh, quarterfinal this time, Man City, you know, in 2018, 2019, that quarterfinal against Tottenham did not go their way late, mm -hmm. uh, but this time they hang on to head towards the semifinals. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny. I see a lot of this like 
they're they, they take part in the dark arts of football and right. all this and um yeah it, it came it came to play you know um man city definitely started time wasting heavy they were just doing you know certain things that you're like it's very what do they call it they call it gamesmanship i think is is what, is what they coined it as but uh yeah, you know, it got chippy at the end. Even in the tunnel, I don't know if you saw that video. In the tunnel, like where they're going back Grilla to the locker rooms. Savage. Yeah, people were yelling across the you know the stairs and the aisle, and they were just having to separate each other. And Jack, it's funny. Jack, Jack has a certain four-letter word that starts with a C that he just loved to throw out. <laughs> I saw a couple of times. Yeah, you know, he's he's a fighter, man. And I love that. I miss him. <laughs> I wish he was at Villa still. But, uh, yeah, he plays with a chip on his shoulder, even though he didn't get to play. But he, he always just carries that with him. So it, it's fun. I, I Playing sports growing up, I always liked having a guy like that on the team because mm-hmm. um, it can fire up the team a little bit. And hopefully they're fired up going into this next round. Um, I think they will be. Yeah. Uh, I want to say one more thing. I, I assume you've probably seen it and have noticed it, but I feel like Atletico Madrid has just gotten so much crap, honestly, from a lot of the media and the sports world just for either their style of play or this time it's their fiery spirit that's gotten them in trouble and I think I kind of like it. I sort of yeah. like uh, Simeone late. You know, he's telling the, the fans to clap and he's cheering them uh, yeah. on. Like, <laughs> awesome. I mean, that that atmosphere was electric. It was definitely a place that you wanted to be in the stands mm-hmm. for. But I just feel like I kind of like that villain role that they get to play. You yeah. know, I, we've talked about, I think, a couple episodes ago, just like Simeone, Suarez, and then you had Savage this time. Some of those guys that are just kind of – not afraid to get in the nitty gritty of the game mm-hmm. and they get, you know, trash for having that defensive mindset. But really I think late it was flip flop where Man City, they were the ones that you said hunkered down and outlasted them. But um I like this Atletico team. Yeah. I hope that they can continue to find success. I think they're a fun team. If I had to pick one in La Liga, I think Atletico would be my team if I would follow one. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why it was so fun to see them win the league last season because you saw the downfall downfall of Barcelona and you know Barcelona and Madrid right now are just very hateable teams. And mm-hmm. as much as we talked about Madrid being a dark horse, it's kind of fun to see them underachieve. Um, but we will move on to a team from Spain that has been overachieving in the eyes of many. And this Villarreal team, they have bounced Bayern Munich from the mm-hmm. Champions League. Uh, the champions of two years ago do not make it to the semifinals, and their magic was done once again. The Vampire. Ah, ah. Uh, he does it again. Done right? it again. Um, and then they stunned Bayern Munich at home, getting that one to one draw, but on aggregate gets them the two one win in two legs. Uh, pretty incredible scenes. Them scoring the late goal, I think, in the 86 88th minute to send them into the Champions League semifinal. Yeah, you know, Bayern was at home. Like, and I said this on the last podcast, like, I was expecting just, a, you know, a really good performance from this Bayern team. I think it was a lot of the same from the first game. Like they just couldn't mm-hmm. get things going. They couldn't break the lines. They couldn't get in behind. Like just nothing was coming off for them. And um, they did get a goal. I, was it in the second half? I think maybe their, their goal came. I think it was early in the second half. Um, like fifty second minute or so. I feel yeah. Like I could be wrong. That's what I feel like too. Whatever it is, they go up one nothing. Okay, then I at that point I expect Villarreal just you know come out of their defensive shell because they do honestly similar to what Atletico Madrid does. Not, mm-hmm. not specific tactics. Play, probably, play the counter when the chance comes. Exactly. Exactly. Especially when you're playing a good Bayern team like that, who could pick you apart. It makes yeah. sense. Right. 
Um, you have the space interpreter. In the <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll pick anything out, right? He'll interpret your space. <laughs> People won't understand that joke, um, <laughs> but yeah, and I was I really I was expecting Villarreal to come out of the shell, Bayern to turn it up a little bit once they you know just just to choke out Villarreal. Did not happen. Villarreal scores I've, a little later, right? I forget what minute. It was but, um, It was late. It was definitely in the 80, like 80s. I thought it was like the 86th, 88th minute. It was late. Yeah. It was late. That's, you know, that's amazing for them. They score. So they tie the game, but they win to an aggregate. Yeah. I don't know if anybody really saw that happening. But again, we, we always say this, I feel like, every week. It's these knockout rounds these tournament style um, games. It's just like, you never ever know what is going to happen. And all these teams are, are obviously very, very good. So, you know, and, and that showed again here. So it's, it's crazy. I, I, I honestly cannot believe it. Yeah. And I think Nagelsmann, Julian Nagelsmann, the manager of Bayern Munich, I think he was just complacent. I think he got in that mindset of, oh, this is a, you know, a lower tier side from Spain. This isn't a team that can compete in the Champions League like, you know, we have for so long. And I think he just didn't have the mindset that this team could achieve big things. And it bit him in the butt, um, which is, you know, maybe his lack of experience as a coach, as a young head coach um, coming from RB Leipzig, I think, um, not so long ago. So really, I think his inexperience led to his downfall. He got a big head. Um, he, you know, doubt of this team that Unai Emery has shown can beat the big dogs. I mean, he just won Europa League to get this team into the Champions League tournament. So he has done it again. I mean, this is a guy that does well in cut play. And so mm-hmm. Unai Emery has taken Villarreal to the Champions League semifinal. And um, it'll be an incredible um, time for them as fans. Uh, definitely. They'll definitely be filling out uh, their stadium for the next round. But um, we had one more matchup that went down. Uh, this one initially looked to be more comfortable, um, but Liverpool gets the job done against Benfica to go to their semifinal. Uh, they ended up drawing 3-3 three to three in the second leg, but they get the 6-4 aggregate. Um, I think they were running away with this one. They were winning 3-1 to one in the game. Uh, Benfica gets some goals late, um, which allowed them to you know, maybe dream about getting back into things, but really Liverpool, I think, always had this one in control. And so they kind of coast into that semifinal, which we expected, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, unless you're a Liverpool or a Benfica fan, if anybody watched this game, to be honest. Um, I know I did. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, anywho, Roberto Firmino scored a brace. He scored two. So good for him. Um, He hasn't been playing super consistently for them, or at least starting. Mm -hmm. Um, So good for him. Um, and the guy, Darwin Nunez, um, that I mentioned last podcast, the, the 22-year-old, I think he's Uruguayan, um, striker for Benfica, scores again. So it was, it was a pretty sweet goal. I saw some of the goals. He had a sweet goal. Kanate uh, beat Benfica on the corner again. Mm. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's heating up for Nunez. He will probably be in the Premier League um, this this upcoming year. Um, he's – He's a talent, man. He's a talent. But good for Benfica. You know, they made it this far in the quarter, quarterfinals. They gave Liverpool, who I think is a top two team in the world, they gave them a good run. Um, that's what you want to see, right? So yeah. good for them. Absolutely. So that leaves us now with the next round. So you have the semifinal round. 
we're going to see Manchester City. They've been drawn against Real Madrid, and that leaves Liverpool and Villarreal for their both sides' chances to go to the final. Um, I'm sure Steven has Real Madrid beating Man City. Ooh. I'm sure a lot of people are going to have Liverpool beating Villarreal. Um, but to be honest, you know, I would love to see Villarreal make it to the final. Mm. Um, and I'm sort of indifferent on Man City Madrid. It's always good to see an English team. Um, but could you imagine having two Spanish teams? I'm sure that would certainly be making some huge headlines and only uh, flare up the debate on which league is better between La Liga and the <laughs> Premier League. I, I guess it would. I mean... There are people out there. It, yeah. If you, I, I did see a stat. I did see a stat that the past like, 15, 20 years and European Cup play that Spain does have the most trophies in that sense. Um, but mm. when you're talking about the league itself, I think that's where you start to see some disparity. But obviously you're playing, you know, English teams, Italian teams, Dutch teams, and so on, that the Spanish teams have actually had the most success within those European Cups. So yeah. there is maybe an argument in that sense, but I know I think I, we would both stand in the same side that the Premier League is the Premier League. Um, right, exactly. And I think that probably points to more of the top heaviness of their leagues. You know, they, yeah. they run away their league sort of like juventus even though i think the italian league is pretty competitive um but for example barcelona's in second this year and we're about to get to it but they they just lost to seventh place frank frankfurt yeah yes so um it's like are they really that good you know i i don't know but um yeah, yeah i mean these are two these are gonna be two really interesting games um Man City, like they always do, will dominate possession against Real Madrid. Um, but Real Madrid, I think, is a better counterattacking team than Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. So it might be a very similar matchup, maybe tactics-wise, and what we'll actually see on the field in that game. What do you think? I think in that second leg, I would not be surprised in one bit to see on aggregate, see it tied 3-3 three to three, mm-hmm. and then have to go to extra time to settle it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think, a totally fair thing to have happen. I don't think either of those defenses are super solid. I think Man City has shown themselves to be vulnerable in the past. Um, and I think Madrid, I just think both teams have so much firepower up front. I guess that's mostly the point is that they're going to find ways to score goals, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see them go an extra time, probably three to three in that second leg. And at that point, it's anyone's ball game. It probably comes down to Benzema if he can continue his <laughs> magical run and if he can send his team into a... Uh, Champions League final, and I think for Liverpool, yeah. Benfica, I just don't see. Or sorry, uh, it's Liverpool Villarreal. Villarreal. Um, I don't know what would happen. It's a strong Liverpool team that's going to put their all into it. It's hard though because you have Man City right, and you have Liverpool who are both fighting each other for the Premier League title. So it's they're fighting two and the FA Cup. Two, yeah, I mean. <laughs> They're fighting two battles on two fronts, maybe three fronts if you look at it. So it's hard to compete day in and day out in yeah. these leagues at this time of the year. So we'll see you know, how Klopp and Guardiola manage this. That'll be really, really interesting. Um, but yeah. I'm sure that they will find their priorities probably falling into these Champions League ties, I would imagine. Yeah. So at, that, at that point, I'm thinking Liverpool probably will walk away. Or, yeah, they'll probably find their way to the Champions League final. Yeah, I think the Champions League is more important for Man City to win than it would be for any other team. Yeah, than it would be for any other team to win. 
um, that's left at least. But you know, it, <laughs> this is the time. If people don't know, Pep Guardiola is the best coach in the world. But in the Champions League, he starts to overthink things um, big time, and I think Kareem Benzema will be the point where he starts overthinking. Um, yes, there might be be some weird tactical thing that Pep does to sort of nullify Benzema, but again. Benzema is that good. He doesn't even necessarily need to score the goals, even though he's great at it. Him drawing attention and letting the, the wingers go because they're both very good as well. I mean, it's, I don't know. Like I, I honestly don't know how this series is going to go. I do think Man City will win, but I think it'll only be by one goal, to be honest. I think over the two legs, it, it could honestly, like you said, be a 4-3. Um I'll I'll say it'll be a three two though. I think Pep will be pretty conservative going into the semifinals against Real Madrid. Um, Liverpool, Villarreal. I feel like I don't want to badmouth Villarreal anymore. Um, yeah, I I mean I've always they, had respect kinda, for them, but they kind of had a run like Ajax did in nineteen. Yeah, yeah, and again, a really good coach. He's coached again against Jurgen Klopp many times before. Um, I just can't see Liverpool losing it though. I think I think they'll win the series overall. Three one Liverpool. I think it'll be a Man City Liverpool final, which is what I would pay a lot of money to see. Um, Good Lord, because remember <laughs> talking about last the weekend, the drama. <laughs> and they play after each other the whole Cup season. Us. Yeah, it's going to be who, wild. Yeah, who happens. knows what the Premier League's going to end up looking right. like, like the storylines that are forming around this season. Oh, my gosh, you guys, it's pay attention. Yeah, that it's that would be, be awesome. unreal. That would essentially be like a championship game for the season. You know, yeah, like you have the Premier League game that just happened this past weekend, but to have it twice and a you have the FA Cup but I don't think it has the same you know weight to it it has an important importance to it but to see a Champions League final between those two teams that have gone neck and neck for these mm-hmm. past couple of years would be pretty incredible to see um, yes. so I'm definitely definitely excited um, but we have another league that is playing currently um, some big matchups in the corner finals in the Europa League also happened um, West Ham, they walked all over Lyon, coming away with a 4-1 aggregate win. Uh, RB Leipzig, they have beaten Atalanta 2-0 in their last match, but they beat them on aggregate 3-1. Uh, Rangers, they survive against Braga, who got a red card. Uh, Rangers won that game 3-1. They were down 1-0 on an aggregate going into that one, but they get the win 3-2. And I think the one that will probably settle on a little bit is the Frankfurt-Barcelona game, which you mentioned earlier, but Frankfurt, they beat Barcelona at home in the first one. Um, but they had the chance to come back to the Camp Nou, and they took care of business, and it was insane that they went up, I think at one point, 3-1, to one, and just stunning that Barcelona crown, which actually, there was 30,000 Frankfurt fans there, which I don't know if you saw the march in, was pretty incredible. They're no. all wearing white. Uh, marching into the stadium, but uh, this Barca team is just a shell of themselves. I think I've said this before that uh, this is not the team that Messi led for so many years, is it? 
No, they were and Frankfurt was actually up three nothing. Three nothing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, three nothing. That's right. Um, yes, because Barcelona scored two goals in like the ninety second minute and like the hundred and first minute on a penalty, I think, right? Yeah, it was a penalty. Um so really Barcelona was never in the game, is basically yeah. what that means. Yeah, the scoreline um, flattered them. Yeah. Um Frankfurt, dude, I, I watched this game and Frankfurt looked good, man. Uh, there were holes all in Barcelona. It could have been defense. four, too. It, it could have been, yeah, dude. They they could have scored a lot more. It was crazy. <laughs> I was like, what am I watching? Like, does Barcelona want to be in this tournament anymore? Like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. But good on Frankfurt. I they're awesome, man. Um, and yeah, their their crowd was sublime. They were yes. they. It almost felt like there was more Frankfurt fans than Barcelona fans there. It, it was may awesome, have been, honestly. Yeah, pretty entertaining. Like you said, they're a seventh place team right now in the Bundesliga. Uh, just to see them go up against a Spanish giant like that and yeah. get to repeat their performance was pretty incredible. Um, Barcelona are out of Europe and have nothing to play for this year unless they can find a way in La Liga. Um, they will go home trophyless without mm-hmm. any silverware. Um, but in those Europa League games, down to the semifinals, West Ham draws Frankfurt. Uh, West Ham, the lone English team left. RB Leipzig takes on Rangers. You have the Scottish champions taking on the Germans. Um, so some good matchups still. Um, yeah. I think it would have been cool to have Frankfurt play Rangers maybe and Leipzig play West Ham. I think just because I prefer to have that West Ham-Frankfurt final if possible. But yeah. that is not to be... Um, I think West Ham certainly are going to prioritize winning Europa League because maybe they're not in that top four race anymore in the Premier League, and winning Europa League will find um, will be a good avenue for them to potentially clinch a Champions League spot. So I'm sure they'll be putting their whole um, you know focus on that, and they'll probably find themselves winning the Europa League. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can I, David Moyes lead the boys uh, to a championship? I think he can. Um, you know, I would love to see West Ham Rangers. Um, if you guys know about Scottish, the Scottish Premiership, um, a lot of those fans uh, dream that their teams are way better than any of the Premier League's teams, um, which is like a, a funny thing. <laughs> to sort of think about because it's dreamland it's extreme dreamland um but i think it would be funny it would be awesome to watch west ham play rangers in the final um i don't think it'll happen though i think it'll be west ham leipzig and then you know once you're in the final i anything can happen um yeah. west ham is flying though in this tournament i feel like um Jared Bowen, their winger, who I guess can play striker too. I think he can play in a lot of positions. Just, just put him a on the field. Guy. Um, he'll definitely be, I mean, I say definitely. Who knows what Southgate will do? But he'll definitely, in my opinion, be on that flight to Qatar for England. He's been amazing this year um, and is in such good form. So, yeah, man, I think it's not West Ham's to lose, but I'd call them – potential favorites to win it um, i think they should yeah. be favorites i think just the pedigree being in the premier league um i think that they had the most talent on those teams left so yeah i would call them favorites going in yeah. um but leipzig is also very good and rangers looked true. looked pretty solid as well they're not i don't think they're as good as leipzig but you know i'm, I'm excited for this europa league 
I am actually as well. Mm -hmm. um, but as we always do, we go over the pond back to the teams that we love. <laughs> Not quite fully the MLS, but the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, those games were settled out. So now we know who our final uh, match will be. Mm -hmm. uh, Cruz Azul versus Pumas. Uh, Pumas controlled the game until the 63rd minute. And can you give me a breakdown of that game? Yeah, yeah. You know, Pumas looked pretty good. You, it looked like Cruz Azul wasn't able to get into the game, really. Like, Pumas was just sort of controlling it, not letting much get in behind or anything. Um, but in the 63rd minute, Arturo Martinez, he's a, I believe he's a Mexican defender um, for Pumas, pulled back Santiago Jimenez um, when he was in on goal. So obviously that's a deserved red card. The last um, yeah, he's the last defender. It was a soft tug, I will say. Um, but when you're in that position, you don't want to give the referee any any chance to give you a red card. So right. I think it was deserved. Um, so yeah, <laughs> when Cruz Azul wasn't necessarily really in the game all that much, sort of gets into the game after this red card. Um, and it was great. Yeah. Cruises will push and push and push, but to no avail, um, Pumas were able to hold on and win. Um, and they'll be meeting our, our predicted team to win it. Um, the team that you're repping tonight. Yes. Again, for Steven and for ourselves, cause we, we've called this and I think we're probably, we're probably pulling for them in this, in this champions league, I'd imagine. Yeah, and, and NYCFC are just not looking like the champions that they were in MLS last yeah. season. Um, they didn't even get the opportunity to play at home with the MLB season in full uh, go <laughs> mode now. They tried to play at uh, the Rebel Stadium, so they didn't even get a chance to play at home. And I guess and what, CONCACAF? CONCACAF won't even approve their uh, the Yankee Stadium as a legal CONCACAF field has told them that they are not allowed to play games um, on yeah. their baseball field, um, which, which is you know, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and it looked like for this home game, which was at Red Bull Arena, right. looked like there was maybe a thousand NYCFC fans there. I, I'm just yeah. making that up, but it, it was not packed for this Champions League game, which is a massive game. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was funny, but I will say – um, the Sounders look pretty professional in this, in the second leg. Um, and with the man who strikes fear into defenders hearts all over the MLS, he's back. It's Raul Rui Diaz. He scored a really good goal, a really good team goal. Actually. Um, if you haven't watched the highlight for that, please go check it out. It's a great goal. Um, but yeah, just showing his class, the best striker on the field, I think, um, you know, Tati Cassianos is good and had a really good season last year, but wasn't able to get it going for NYCFC. So yeah, it's all set and wrapped. We have Pumas versus Seattle. Mistakes are very high. As high as they can be, this is it. Uh, you know, we talk about the disparity between leagues, between Liga MX and MLS. You know, maybe we see Pumas as being a better team there, or maybe you see it the other way. Uh, but we've seen in knockout tournaments that none of that really matters. We've discussed this tonight already. Um, so we do expect these two legs to be end in action. Mm -hmm. um, anything can happen. Obviously, we're pushing for Seattle to get to be the first MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, but, you know, Pumas can show that they're the superior side and can continue to rule 
um, with the Mexican rain in the CONCACAF Champions League over MLS teams. Yeah. Um, but those games will be later on um, April 27th will be the first leg, I think, in Mexico. And leg yep. two will be May 4th back in Seattle. And that'll be the pivotal one to decide who becomes the CONCACAF Champions League champion. That's um, crazy. Pretty great. Um, yep. Well, yeah, that's been pretty much it here on The Bad Fan. We've hit just a little bit over the hour mark. Uh, but this has been awesome, Brandon, just to get together. Uh, the two of us tonight, no Steven. Um, he's got a busy weekend. Um, but, you know, this has been a really good episode. I've really gotten to enjoy, you know, talking about the unwritten rules of baseball, Dave Roberts' underachieving as a manager, the amazing <laughs> Champions League games. It's been, like you said, as we introed into this one, now as we go to the outro, that you said this is a pretty incredible week for sports, and that was no lie. That mm -hmm. certainly was the truth, and we have so much more to cover in the coming weeks as we wind down the Premier League season as we get closer to all these big trophies up for grabs in the world of football, or if you're in American soccer, which actually, fun fact, the English came up with soccer first. Um, <laughs> yeah, things. it is funny. Uh, we also have the NBA. NBA, the playoffs are here. NHL MLB, is coming. Yes, NHL playoffs. MLB has uh, their first couple pitches into the season, so we're a weekend now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, sports are in full swing, everybody. So strap in, get excited for more bad fan episodes. We can't wait to bring them to you. And maybe down the road, like we said, we'll bring some uh, live stuff from Nashville for you guys to enjoy that content. Uh, we'll see what comes down the road. But um, it has been a great pleasure. And that about wraps things up. So thank you once again for tuning in today. If you enjoyed today's time together, if you've made it this far, please give it a thumbs up. It is free and only takes a second of your time. Subscribe if you're not already a bad fan. We're trying to get to 100 subs, as we said, by this summer. So if you want to help us get there, please do not be afraid to share it with a friend, to tap that button. Uh, we would greatly appreciate anything that goes towards the channel. And lastly, get involved in the comments down below or find your way over to our Instagram at the bad fan um, to find our posts, the reels, and maybe leave a comment, leave a like. Uh, we would love to have that. And go find our brand new Twitter account if you're on Twitter. Follow it. Uh, interact with us there. Uh, the link down in the description has everything that you need to find your way to those accounts, to those sites, um, all things The Bad Fan. And, you know, that about does it. So thank you once again for joining us. All of us here at The Bad Fan today, Brandon and I, are just so grateful for you to be here. We hope that you have a great day. Have a great weekend. If you're celebrating Easter, I really hope it's good for you. And, you know, we will see you guys in the next one. Until then... Peace and blessings, you guys. Enjoy.